that fasting has been made fard, has been made mandatory, prescribed, written upon you. Written commandment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, written on us. Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had prescribed it and made it mandatory for earlier communities of believers to whom He had sent earlier prophets and scriptures. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ahkam al Hakimin. He is all wise. He doesn't have to tell us why He commands anything. However, in this particular place in Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa chose out of His infinite wisdom and mercy to tell us the reason why He wants us to fast in Ramadan. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ That Allah ta'ala is hopeful that we may get taqwa in this month. Now, outwardly, a person may not be able to understand. And this is a very wonderful example that we can never ever understand our deen on the basis of akal alone. That's why Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an, about Qur'an, al insan ma lam That Allah Ta'ala teaches in humanity through wahi, through Qur'an, through sunnah, ma lam that which they never knew nor never could have known. Because if you ask your akal, Staying away from haram, that will make you get taqwa. But staying away from something that's halal, which is the exercise in fasting, that we abstain from lawful food and lawful drink and lawful relations inside nikah, from fajr to maghrib, that's staying away from halal, how will that enable us to get taqwa? And staying away from food and drink, etc., is a zahir, outward act, and taqwa is something in the bottom. Taqwa is something in the heart. How will this outward affect the inward? So this is one of many, many examples that our deen can never ever be understood on akal alone. Yes, there is a mind that Allah Ta'ala gave us, but the mind was not supposed to be used untrained. The mind is supposed to be used with ilm. So in our deen, we don't follow akal, we follow ilm. Therefore Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an, هَلْ يَسْتَوِي الَّذِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Can those who have knowledge and those who don't have knowledge, can they ever be considered equal? Should they be treated equal? Should they be given equal respect? Should they have equal authority? No way. That's what Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an. And the word ulama, Allah Ta'ala has used that in Qur'an also. إِنَّمَا يَكْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ إِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ It means that those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, khashiyya, 
who have fear or reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min ibadihi from his servants and slaves and creatures are al-ulama, are the ones who have true knowledge. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said in a sahih hadith, al-ulama'u warathatul anbiya. And Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanmali rimullah, he wrote a whole commentary just on this one hadith. A risala on just this one hadith about the importance of ulama. So we have to be very careful if we ever try to understand something in our deen just on the basis of our aql. In fact, it's not just true for deen. Many of us, I'm sure here, are university educated. In the university, you will be taught that you cannot understand any discipline just on the basis of your aql. If you want to understand (coughs) economics, you need the economist. If you want to understand physics, it has to be through the textbooks written by the physicist and taught by the professor who is a physicist. You cannot understand just on the basis of uncle. I have an uncle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a physicist. Now if I say, no, I have an uncle. I know English. I'm educated. They say, that's fine, but you don't have the ilm of physics. That's why we will let you teach physics. So there is something called ilm of Qur'an. Knowledge of Qur'an al-Kareem. And that knowledge was bestowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala onto the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So actually the title we had given for tonight's talk was Ramadan, month of Qur'an. Because Allah ta'ala says in Qur'an, Shahrul Ramadan, الَّذِي أُنزِنَ فِيهِ Quran. That this month of Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an al-Kareem was sent down by Allah ta'ala. Was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ Another place in Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala says that indeed we sent down, revealed this Qur'an on Laylat al-Qadr, which is in this month of Ramadan. So there are many, many things to talk about Ramadan, but tonight we wanted to talk about the special relationship that the month of Ramadan has with Qur'an. You see, Allah Ta'ala doesn't say things for no reason. The fact that the month of Ramadan is the one in which Qur'an was revealed means that in this month of Ramadan we should have an effort to increase our connection with Qur'an. And Allah Ta'ala will make that connection easier for us to increase in this month of Ramadan. Most of us we will see about our own self if we look back in the past that we were able to recite Tilawat more Qur'an in Ramadan than we did otherwise. And if we look at our previous 12 months, which would include last year's Ramadan, maybe there are some of us who recited more Qur'an in last year Ramadan than they've recited in the entire 11 months that have come since then. Maybe they heard more Qur'an last year in Ramadan than they have in the entire 11 months which came since then. Maybe even just the act of praying Salatul Taraweeh and listening to the entire Qur'an in Salah Maybe they haven't heard the entire Qur'an even once the whole year then. So there's something special about Ramadan and Qur'an al-Kareem. But we should know that the Qur'an is not just a book of words. There are three aspects to Qur'an. First are al-Fadh, the words of Qur'an. And yes, you have to be trained even in that and that is what we call ilmu tajweed. And the word tajweed is not anywhere in Qur'an. 
The word Allah Ta'ala uses in Qur'an, وَرَتِّلِ Qur'ana tartila. And the word tajweed is not anywhere in hadith. And it's also a very good example that yes, it is 100% permissible to use a word that is not in Qur'an and is not in hadith. It's no problem. As long as you're not adding to the content of deen. If you add to the content of deen, that is called bid'ah and that is haram. But if you add to the methods of deen, method of learning, there's nothing haram in that. And all of ilm al-usul, whether it's usul of tafsir, or usul al-hadith, or usul al-fiqh, none of that was taught by Sayyidina Rasulullah Even the ulum of tajweed, all of these, if you go into higher level of tajweed, all the ways of expressing the different letters, and none of these things are to be found in hadith. This is an ilm that the ulama of tajweed made. So this science is normally all over the world, even in Arabic, Urdu, Malaysian, Indonesian languages, called tajweed. That is the knowledge by which we fix and correct the alfaz, the ada, the way we pronounce the wordings of Qur'an. And everybody should learn that at least to a basic level, which they can free themselves from error. Why am I mentioning this today? Not to be academic. To make a very practical point that in this month of Ramadan, if anyone here today does not yet had the chance or ability or didn't take it seriously enough to learn at least the fundamental level of tajweed, they should try to do that in Ramadan. Because Ramadan is the month of Qur'an. That's what Allah said in Qur'an. Ramadan is the month of Qur'an. And you will find it, inshallah ta'ala, easy to learn tajweed in this month. Allah Ta'ala has put a lot of barakah and blessing and ease in this month. So that may be something some of us can do this month, is try to improve our recitation of the words of Qur'an. Then there's a second level to Qur'an, which is called the ma'ani, the meanings of Qur'an al-Karim, meanings of Qur'an. And obviously, unless you understand the meanings, you won't be able to get hidayah, you won't be able to be guided unless you have understanding. Now, there are different ways to get this understanding of Qur'an. One way is to go through the Qur'an cover to cover sequentially. That is one way. And that's a perfectly acceptable way. That one goes through the entire Qur'an. Another way, because the honest reality is that a lot of Muslims in the world have never done this. You may be surprised by this, but I tell you from my experience that the vast majority of Muslims in the world have yet to actually have a cover-to-cover understanding of Qur'an. Even Arabs. Cover-to-cover understanding. So when the ulama saw this, this was a problem, right? Because in the early times, mashallah, that was an age of ilm. Sahaba, tabi'in, tabai tabi'in. This was the age of mufassirin, ages of muhaddithin, ages of fuqaha. So when the ulama realized that those golden ages are passing and the ordinary Muslim doesn't, have understanding of entire Qur'an, then they did something, which I personally think was a great service to the Ummah, they came up with topical understandings of Qur'an. So the ulama would write small risala, or they would give what we call wa'ad, nasiha, bayan, discourse, dars, on some topic. So for example, let's take love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So and in that topic, they would teach the people all of the teachings from Qur'an and Sunnah on this topic of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person heard that lecture, they got that understanding of Qur'an. 
without actually having gone through cover to cover Quran. Then another topic and another topic and you would see, mashallah, in our Islamic history, the ulama of our deen have produced such a rich literary output, so many wonderful teachings in which they explain to the masses the teachings of Quran. In fact, I just recently we were looking at a work, Rodat <coughs> al-Muhibbin, this is a work by uh, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziri, in which he talks about love, the way of love, the gardens of the lovers, right? And he has written another book called Madaraj al-Salikin, and Zad al-Ma'ad, where he talks about Sira, and he t- talks about the best way to follow the example of the Prophet So all these great ulama, they wrote these books, and they taught these books. And sometimes even the books are just transcriptions of their taught lectures. Why? Because they realize that people cannot go through such a deep academic study, cover to cover, so we will give them the topics so they get the complete understanding of deen. Alhamdulillah, this is another way to increase in our ilm of Qur'an. And in fact, to be honest with you, from my own years of studying Qur'an, the Qur'an is a very deep book that requires time to reflect and ponder upon its meanings. I could take you through the whole Qur'an in maybe two days, right? But it wouldn't benefit you so much, right? Because it wouldn't have time to sink in. You wouldn't be able to absorb it. And because you wouldn't be able to absorb it, it wouldn't change your life, right? And that brings me to the third level of Qur'an, which is the real reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down Qur'an. And that is called feelings. The first was the wordings. Second level was the meanings. And the third level is the feelings of Qur'an. This is the real reason Allah Ta'ala sent Qur'an to change the way we feel. You see, taqwa is a feeling. It's not just a word. It's not just a meaning. All of us know the meaning of taqwa. That doesn't change us. It only changes us when we have the feeling of taqwa. Haya. Haya is a word. Haya has a meaning. But how many of us have that feeling? Hmm? So taqwa, haya, ikhlas, tawakkul, sabr, shukr. Everybody knows what the word sabr is. Everybody knows the translation in English, patience, in Norwegian, whatever you call it, right? In Urdu it's called sabr. Hmm? But how many of us have that feeling? So we have to be very, very careful to always remember to put the highest level of stress on feeling and living the Qur'an. And if you understand the meaning and you don't do the feeling and the living, believe me, the understanding is of no benefit to you. In fact, the understanding may weigh against you on the Day of Judgment that you knew and you still didn't feel it. Now let me give you an example. Surah Al-Fatiha. All of us know the wordings, right? We memorize those wordings. And probably all of us or almost all of us know the meanings. Let's say for example, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We know the meaning of that. Whether in English or Norwegian or Urdu or direct in Arabic. But how many times when you actually inside Salah praying, do you feel the feeling of hunt? Do you say Alhamdulillah with your tongue, knowing it means all praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when your heart is actually feeling an overwhelming feeling of praise for Allah ta'ala? You don't feel it. It's like saying words of love without feeling it. <laughs> if somebody in this world tells you, I love you, but you can tell they don't, they have no feeling of love, they're saying the words, and they know what the words mean, but you can see they don't have the feelings of love. You get upset. <laughs> you say, what, what are you, why are you saying these things to me when you don't feel it? Hmm? 
Why are you saying what you don't feel? And we race through Salah, and there's some incredible feelings in there, <laughs> in the words that we're saying. But we don't feel those feelings. In fact, Surah Fatah is a beautiful way to show you. So let me use this as an example to illustrate what do we mean by feelings. So our first feeling actually should be that Allah SWT, I'm not even worthy of praying to you. I'm nakis, najis, I'm weak, filthy, sinning believer. And I'm going to stand and address you. Because Sayyidina said that when a mu'min prays, Allah Ta'ala listens intently to that musalli. <laughs> so actually we are addressing Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Hmm? That's a very big thing to do. We're not even worthy of that. This is only Allah Ta'ala's kindness and His mercy that He lets us show up five times and address Him. But He told us that you should begin first to ta'awwaz, first seek refuge from shaitan, right? And then bismillah. So you're not beginning on your own ability, you're beginning with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ulama of tafsir, they've written a lugha actually, bibarakati ismillah. I begin with the blessings of the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means there's barakah in His name. Allah. Allah ta'ala says in Quran, tabarakasmu rabbik. And full of barakah is the name of your Rabb. So we begin with Allah ta'ala's name. Then the first thing Allah Ta'ala teaches us about Himself in Qur'an is what attribute? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman means that Allah Ta'ala is all-merciful. Ar-Rahim means He's all-mercy-giving. Ar-Rahman means to have all the mercy. Ar-Rahim means to send that mercy. This is one way. And the ulama, they've gotten to many, many nuances and differences between these two words. Now what's supposed to happen at this point? What was supposed to happen at this point that your heart was supposed to respond? That if Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, given that Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, so your heart should feel Alhamdulillah, then all praises can only be for that Allah Ta'ala because He's Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. You're supposed to feel it and then say it. Alhamdulillah. All praise itself is proper only. Praise befits only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that being who is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. It's supposed to be said with feeling. The person who prays with feeling, their life changes. Then Allah ta'ala introduced us to a second attribute of His. If you take Rahman Rahim as one, then second is this. What was it? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. The second is that Allah ta'ala is the Rabb. Rabb means nourisher, sustainer, caretaker. In Urdu it's translated as Palnewala. Hmm? Upbringer, nourisher. Of what? Of Alameen. Of all the worlds. The entire universe. The world of matter, the world of antimatter, the world of insan, the world of jinn, the world of angels. Every world. So then your heart was supposed to feel that Allah Ta'ala is Rabb of all of the Alameen. And at this point that being Allah, who is Rabb of all of Alameen, is listening to me in Salah. Hmm? He's paying attention to me. So now you're supposed to say from your own heart, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Really it's true that that Allah Ta'ala is all-merciful and all-merciful giving. I say it twice. It's really true that that being was Rabb Al-Alameen, He's interested in me, He gave me Iman. Hmm? He let, gave me tawfiq, uh, ability to pray the Salah. He's let me stand here in front of him. 
Yet truly he is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Then Allah Ta'ala introduced next attribute about himself, Malik. He's the master, the sovereign, the owner. Maliki Yawmiddin. What does that mean? Obviously, Allah Ta'ala is master of everything. He's Malik Al-Alameen. He's master of everything. Why did he say here Maliki Yawmiddin? Because the person, apparently, it appears that you are a master of your life. And this is what the deception the atheist fell into, right? It appears that you choose what to do. Outwardly, it appears like that. You're the master of your time. You choose what you want to do. You want to be good, not be good. Have iman, have kufr. It's your choice, apparently. So Allah Ta'ala is making it clear that, look, yes, in this world, because I'm al-halim, hilm, I have reserved the manifestation of my power, and I'm letting you do what you want. But there's coming a day. al mulk al-yawm. Lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. Allah who has the sovereignty on this day? Means the day of judgment. Lillahi, to Allah subhanahu ta'ala alone. Al-wahid, that one Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Al-qahar, that extremely omnipotent, powerful, dominant Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Allah Akbar. So Allah Ta'ala taught us this other thing in Surah Fatiha. We're supposed to feel it. It's supposed to make us tremble. We race through Maliki Yomidin and Salah. And not just once a day, we do it so many times, we say it unfeeling. <laughs> so many times we say it without feeling it. So Quran is not about wordings and meanings. It's about feelings. The wording and meanings only values if it unlocks the feeling. It's just a gateway, a key to the feeling. So when the believer says this in Surah Fatiha, that Allah tells Malik, Malik Yomidin, then what does he say? Oh Allah, you are master, I am slave. If you are master, I am slave. He's supposed to say it with feeling. He's supposed to say, with feeling, submission. Feeling of submission, feeling of subordination, feeling of surrender. Feeling that Allah Ta'ala, you are everything and I am nothing. And then when you said such a thing, so in Urdu we would say, In English it means you just said a very big statement that you're only going to worship Allah Ta'ala. Hmm? So you realize that. So you say, Allah, we need your help. <laughs> I'm not even good enough to do that on my own. I may slip here and there if I try to do it on my own. So to be your Abd and Abid, I'm going to have to turn to you for help to do that. But and Allah Ta'ala, you it is going to be to whom I turn to. We turn to rather, we turn to, to seek help in this mission of this Abd-Malik relationship. Then Allah Ta'ala immediately gave you the first help. He taught us a dua. <laughs> So, okay, first help, make this dua. Which dua? The most important dua. Most frequently recited dua. It's a message to us. The biggest thing we need is what? Hidayah. Everyone needs hidayah. And we always need it. We have to pray for it five times a day. We need this hidayah every day of our life. Ihdina. First help Allah Ta'ala gave us, He taught us this dua. Ihdina siratul mustaqeem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us, give us hidayah to the straight path. So when a person, even if a person comes to you and asks for directions, asks you to guide them, what's the feeling? You get the feeling, you say, oh you have, you look like you're lost. Huh? You may go to somebody and say that, 
You look like you're lost. Can I help you? Can I guide you? So in Fatiha, the feeling we should have when we say Ehdina is the feeling that we're lost. We're lost and we need your guidance. You're supposed to feel that feeling. I am lost and I need you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to guide me. To what Sirat al-Mustaqim? Straight path. Here also Allah Ta'ala gave a very big sign that this way of life, of being an abd of that malik, of being abd of that rab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a path. It's going to be a lifelong journey. It's not going to be an instant. It's not a step. It's a path. It's a path. But Allah Ta'ala has guided us with a path that's going to lead us straight to Him. Sirat al-Mustaqim. So what is that straight path? It's another interesting thing Allah Ta'ala teaches us in Quran. Sirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim. It's a path of people. Al-Ladheena means people. It's not a path of words. Not a path of texts. Sirat al-Ladheena, it's a path of people. Which people? An'amta alayhim. The ones that you, Allah Ta'ala, have sent your in'amat, your blessings on them. So it means, Allah Ta'ala is teaching us in Qur'an that there are some people who are blessed. And we have to follow their path if we want hidayah. It's in Qur'an, Surah Fatiha. That's why if somebody tries to tell you, you don't need people, just follow books. So tell me, you're going against Surah Fatiha. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala told me in Qur'an, I need people. <laughs> If I just follow books, where is the Alladina Anamta Alehim? And I'm making dua to Allah Ta'ala for this so many times a day. I'm begging Allah Ta'ala inside Fard Salah, inside the masjid, to guide me to people. And you're telling me I just need books. And those books are written by people in any case. How can I dispense with people? These hadith were transmitted to me through people, Rawat, the narrators. How can I dispense with people? So our deen is not just a deen of texts. Our deen is also a deen of people. Who are those people? Then that's the big question. Then who are those people who are blessed by Allah Ta'ala alone has the right to say who they are. And he says so in Quran that those whom Allah Ta'ala has blessed, Alladina An'amullah. It's another verse, not Fatah, it's another verse of Quran. Those whom Allah Ta'ala has blessed, who are they? Allah Ta'ala mentions four people in Quran. Four types of people. Nabiyin, Siddiqin, Shuhada, and Salihin. So it means when we recite Fatiha, we're asking Allah Ta'ala to guide us to these four people. So if somebody tells you that all you need is the Quran and all you need is the Prophets, and that sounds correct, and it is correct, but it's not complete. So sometimes there's a correct answer, but incomplete answer. So it's correct. Obviously, number one, we need Quran. Number two, we need the Prophets and especially Sayyidina Rasulullah 100% correct, but not complete. Because Allah Ta'ala told us in Qur'an, we also need Siddiqeen, we also need to be guided by, because the du'a is du'a for Hidayah. For our guidance to be complete, we also need to be guided by Siddiqeen. Now obviously Siddiqeen can never be a person who guides against Qur'an and Sunnah, but he's a guide nonetheless. We need Shuhada, we need to be guided. The Ummah has to have this living tradition of people who are willing to sacrifice their very life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to always be guided and inspired by such a sacrifice. We need that guidance. Was salihin. And salihin means the virtuous, righteous believers. We need to be guided 
by the virtuous and righteous, the salihin of this ummah. So for the complete guidance, we need all of these things. And obviously Allah Ta'ala is the al-hadi, He is the one who guides. He gives kamal hidayah, He gives complete guidance. And therefore He mentioned all these things in Qur'an. So the feeling a person should have when they're reciting Fatiha is Allah Ta'ala, I'm lost, I need to be guided. Guided to the way of the Nabiyyin, guided to the way of the Siddiqin, guided to the way of the Shuhada, and guided to the way of Salihin. And all of that is one way, the same way, as-sirat, as-sirat al-mustaqim. That straight path. To put it in simpler English, it means that there are already footprints on this path. The footprints of the Nabiyyin, the footprints of the Siddiqin, footprints of Shuhada, footprints of Salihin. In me, I have to put my footsteps in their footprints. That's called hidayah. So it means we need people. We need to find those salihin. We need to find the siddiqin. Obviously, shuhada by definition are longer in this world. They've given their life for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And nabin, longer in this world. Sayyidina Sallallahu Khatam and nabin, the last and final prophet. So there are two living guides left. They're called siddiqin and salihin. This is the meaning and the feeling and the wording of Fatiha. Briefly. So we gave you an example. That the Qur'an has three levels. The wordings of Qur'an, the meanings of Qur'an and the feelings of Qur'an. And in this coming month of Ramadan, we should try to increase in all three. Increase in wording of Qur'an, picture tajweed. And also it's a wonderful month to do tahfiz to memorize some more Qur'an. Even if you just memorize a few ayahs, maybe one short surah, you should try and you will find it easier to memorize in this month of Ramadan. You should always try every year to have a bit of an increase. Ideally, it would be wonderful if all of us could become hafad and people who have memorized the entire Qur'an. But obviously that's not required. It's not the expectation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that everybody does that. But we should try to increase, show that our thirst. Hmm? If a person never ever takes an additional sip. <laughs> what will you say? You say, okay, he's no longer thirsty. He drank a bit, and he didn't take any more additional sips, so he's no longer thirsty. So if whatever Quran you memorized when you were young, or whatever age you were, and then it stopped, and then you no longer, years went by, and you didn't memorize even a single additional ayah, it's as if you're saying, I'm no longer thirsty for Quran. You don't want to be giving that message. You don't want to be having that behavior. So use this month of Ramadan to also increase our tahfid, memorize a bit more. And those of you who are, mashallah, more stronger, more vigorous, memorize a lot more. And everyone should ideally, and I'm not necessary, it's not fard, but ideally everyone should have at least one chunk of Qur'an. Why? Because in case maybe one day, mashallah, you want to pray long tahajjud, how are you going to do it if you just know five, ten surahs? Hmm? You won't be able to do it. Your heart even wants, it's Masha Ramadan, and you're in it for its last ten days, or even the women, any, right? And you want, oh, I want to pray long salah. But I can't do it. Because <laughs> I only know the last ten surahs, I only the last fifteen surahs. Hmm? That would be so sad, right? Be so sad. But at least try to get one longer passage. And again, that's a relative term, but at least longer to whatever you know already. Put it that way. Right? Every one of us, whatever level we're at, whatever is the longest passage we know right now, try to memorize one longer than that in Ramadan. 
So that at least then you have this ability to pray longer qiyam in and after the month of Ramadan. So this is what this month is for, improvement. In fact, in Arabic language, this root of Ramadan, there's another word for it, tarmid. Tarmid. The root is ra, mim, la, tarmid. Tarmid means to sharpen. And it's actually used sometimes that you take a knife and you want to sharpen it. So that's called tarmid. So, why do you sharpen a knife? Because you want to use it. <laughs> the whole purpose of sharpening a knife is so that you're going to be able to use it better. So the purpose of Ramadan is to sharpen and develop and increase our iman, taqwa, our ta'luk in the sense of tonight, especially ta'luk, nisbah, uh, our relation and connection with Qur'an, so that we can use that connection for la'allukum tattaku. Remember Allah Ta'ala said in the beginning of Qur'an, hudan lil-muttaqeen. It's a book of hidayah, it's going to give huda guidance to muttaqeen. <laughs> this is the rat. <laughs> this month, la'allukum tattakun, this book Qur'an, hudan lil-muttaqeen. To try to memorize more. So this covers our increasing our connection with the wordings. Improve tajweed if need be and memorize some more. Second, we should try to improve our understanding of its meanings. For that I would suggest, and there are many ways to do it, and we're not doing, we're not negating anyway. And Obviously, every community should offer multiple ways of doing it because every person is different, right? No one key is going to unlock every lock in the world. One way to do it is to go through the entire Qur'an in the month of Ramadan. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is that take some portions of Qur'an and maybe even start with the ones you've memorized that you use in Salah and try to understand their meaning from the ulama. So reach out to the ulama in your community Tell them that, look, you, mashallah, were accepted by Allah Ta'ala, you dedicated your life to this. Me, I'm an accountant, I'm a doctor, you know, this is my field, this is your field. But I want to take some time out in this month of Ramadan. And I want to learn from you something of your field. So take some passages of Qur'an and make me really get the meaning and understanding of those passages. And if for some reason you have some schedule which doesn't enable you to participate in organized courses then you should turn to the works of ulama. So the works of the tafsir, of the great ulama of tafsir. And the earlier you can go, the better. The earlier you can go in the tafsir tradition, the better. And read some tafsir. And let those ulama's words and their works guide you to get an increased understanding in some passages of the Qur'an al-Karim. point is to also increase the aspect of understanding and meaning in this month of Ramadan. Third, and as you can tell, we feel most important, increase your feeling of Qur'an in this month of Ramadan. So that means take some passages that you know the wordings, and now you know the meanings, and now reflect on it, ponder on it. This is what Allah Ta'ala called in Qur'an, tadabbur. Reflect upon it, ponder on it, let it sink in, let it move your heart. Now I'll give you an example. Remember when I said that we say Maliki Yomidini, we don't even feel it. We don't shiver. So if a person loses physical feeling, what do they do? Hmm? Imagine if a person's one finger, just one pinky finger became numb. Paralyzed. Paralysis of the pinky. Hmm? Gets paralysis of the pinky. So what will they do? He'll race to the doctor. Race to the doctor and say, no, I, I can't move it, I can't feel it. 
The doctor says, it's okay, your heart is fine, your lungs are fine, kidney is fine, mashallah, it's okay, it's just a pinky. You will say, no, 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 this is a problem. <laughs> I want it cured. You go to one doctor, second doctor, third doctor, all because you no longer have feeling in your pinky. So why are we not then disturbed that I don't have any feeling in my kalb? Allah says in Quran, it's Qur'an. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is remembered or mentioned to them, وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Talb is the heart of the ruh. Their spiritual heart quivers, trembles, it gets effect, it's moved by feeling. So go to a doctor of deen and tell them that I recite fatha and I don't feel it. <laughs> it's a problem. If your tongue lost its feeling hmm, and you were no longer able to taste that this is chocolate, this is vanilla, this is strawberry, hmm, you go to the doctor. I say, I have a problem with my tongue. Hmm? They say, major problem. So why are we not disturbed that my heart cannot taste the difference between Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim and Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala? It's a difference. It's a different taste. Yes. It's a different feeling. It's a different experience. We don't know the difference. We don't even have a different feeling in Ruku and different feeling in Sajda. When you eat chocolate ice cream and you eat strawberry ice cream, can you tell the difference? You can, right? You know the difference. So how can we not know the difference between Subhanahu Rabbi Al-Azim and Subhanahu Rabbi Al-A'la? It's a different feeling. The physical act of Ruku has a different feeling. The physical act of Sajda has a different feeling. So how come we're not worried about this? Hmm? Shouldn't we be worried about this? When Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, that the whole purpose of salah, established the salah is for my dhikr. And people say, so many people come to me with this, that I have a problem, I don't feel anything in my prayer. I'm not able to remember Allah Ta'ala my prayer. I go through the prayer and from beginning to end, I didn't even have one feeling, one thought, one remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Some will even say in the prayer, I have thoughts of ghayrullah. Whether thoughts of my work or my business or what I have to do or the meeting that's coming up in half an hour. And some even say they have unlawful, sinful thoughts in the prayer. They're not doing anything to fix it. Hmm? So Ramadan should be the month where we fix this. We get that feeling back. How long do we want to be unfeeling mu'mini? Hmm? No, we want to be feeling mu'mini. We want to enjoy the sweetness, just like we enjoy the sweetness of chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. We want to enjoy the sweetness of salah. You know those people who we read about, and it's even in Quran, that they separate their sides from their beds, and they pray, hmm? two-thirds night, half night, one-third night. Why were they praying so long? Hmm? Because they were enjoying. They used to pray all night, half the night, because they enjoyed their salah. Because they were feeling something. It wasn't out of force. It was a prayer of passion, a prayer of love, a prayer of enjoyment, a salah of lutf and lazza. They were experiencing what Sayyidina Rasulullah said, as salatu mi'raj al-mu'min. They were feeling it. They were enjoying. They were getting the qurb of Allah Ta'ala that He has promised with those who worship Him with feeling. That's why they pray. They got feeling in every single rakat they got feeling. Just like me and you enjoy every spoon of ice cream. Right? You may have been having ice cream for the thousandth time in your life. And every spoon you feel the enjoyment. But they were like that. <laughs> they could pray thousands and thousands of times. 
and every rakah they got the enjoyment. Shouldn't we also be trying to get those feelings? Hmm? What's the point? It's be foolish to be a believer and not get the feelings of iman. And Sayyidina Sum talked about this. Imam Bukhari made a whole bab, halawa to iman. And he gathered the hadith about this, the sweetness of iman. It's a sweetness, it's a taste, it's a feeling. We have to get those feelings. And that's why Allah Ta'ala sent Qur'an to gift, gift us, to gift us these feelings. If you knew the sweetness of haya, you would give up the sweetness of looking at the beauties of this world. Yes, but we haven't tasted the sweetness of haya. So we're stuck on the other things. Yes, that's called taqwa. Another way to understand taqwa means to get more lutf and laza, more pleasure and enjoyment from akhirah and deen than you get from this world. And unless a person has that, they keep sinning. You can't stop from sinning unless your pleasure from deen is greater than your pleasure from dunya. Otherwise, I'm telling you, you will not be able to stop sinning. So this is the month. This is the rabt, by the way. Why is it that you're fasting? Allah is trying to wean you off from the pleasures of this world. <laughs> Even this basic eating and drinking you do, just leave it for some time. Leave it. Leave these worldly things. Try to be more focused on akhirah. Even this basic physical function that you have, eating and drinking and etc. Leave it for a while. Think about some higher matters, some higher concerns. Try to unlock your talib, your ruh. Try to feel your spiritual side. You know, a mistake many of us make in this month of Ramadan is that we overeat. Yes, there are many people who gain weight in Ramadan. Allah Akbar. They actually gain weight in Ramadan. That's the most foolish thing to do. You spend so much effort fasting to get this discipline, to get this hunger actually, which makes you feel more in your ibadah, and then you spoil all of it by eating breakfast, lunch, dinner all together at iftar. <laughs> You should obviously eat, but don't overeat. And the simple rule is that you should eat less, even slightly less. But in every 24 hours in Ramadan, your overall intake of food should be less than what it was before Ramadan. However much you eat between Maghrib and Fajr in Ramadan should be a little bit less than what you normally used to eat in 24 hours. It should be less. It shouldn't be more. It shouldn't even be the same. It should be less. So you can preserve those benefits. Of that month of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran <coughs> has mentioned many many things about the feelings of Quran. So few ayat I wanted to share with you tonight. Share for you it's never night. For you this fine late evening. Hmm? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rahim bismillahirrahmanirrahim Kitabun, kitabun anzalnahu ilayka That this is a book that we, Allah ta'ala, have sent this book down upon you, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لِتُخْرِجَ النَّاسَ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُورِ So that you can take humanity out from darknesses, dhulumat is plural, إِلَى النُورِ What does it mean? By the permission and warrant of their Rabb. Means Allah Ta'ala wants this to happen. What are these dhulamat? The darkness of sin. The darkness of ignorance. 
the darkness of depression, the darkness of immodesty, the darkness of envy, the darkness of unlawful lust, the darkness of uncontrollable anger, to take out from all of these darknesses illa nur, into the nur of taqwa, the nur of haya, the nur of sidq, the nur of ikhlas. That's why Quran came. The Quran has that power. And if it doesn't have that effect on us, hmm, that it doesn't join us to the good attributes, it doesn't take us out from the bad attributes, it means we don't have the proper ta'luk or nisbat with Quran. And another ayah Allah Ta'ala said, Al-Quran, When the Quran al-Kareem is recited, lahu, That you should listen to it intently, not even sama istima. You should listen to it intently, closely. وَأَنْسِتُوا And you should be silent. لَأَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ So that the mercy of Allah Ta'ala will come down on you. So can you imagine that Qur'an, that even if you just listen to it intently and quietly, the mercy of Allah Ta'ala showers down on you. Imagine if we were to feel and live that Qur'an, how much mercy would come down on you. If just on listening to it, quietly, sincerely, Brings this mercy. لَأَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ This is a magnet of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Qur'an. It attracts the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Qur'an. And that person in whose heart is the feelings of Qur'an, that person's heart will attract the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah says in Qur'an, مَنْ يُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ يَهْدِي قَلْبَهُ That whomsoever has iman in Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala directly sends hidayah onto his qalb. His spiritual heart. Direct hidayah. That can also happen. One is to get hidayah from Quran, from Sunnah, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, Salihin. This is another type of hidayah. Direct from Allah SWT. No hukmah. But that person has to have Quran in their heart. And that person to have Quran in their heart has to take sin out of their heart. That's why Allah said, Hudan al muttaqeen Who's going to get hidayah from Quran? No. Not just the one who recites it, reads it. The one who's taken sin out. So that Quran effect and feelings will come in. That's why in this month of Ramadan also, a person should be very, very intent on leaving sin. Leaving sin. And the way Allah Ta'ala explained this in Quran, وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَا That you must leave all sin, you must leave ظَاهِرَ الْإِثْمِ The outer sin, وَبَاطِنَا And the inner sin. Now what does this mean, ظَاهِرَ and بَاطِن? The ulama of tafsir mentioned many ways. First meaning, leave outward sin means the outward acts of sin. There's some outward acts of sin like stealing, zina, right? Things that we do with our outward limbs and organs. And batin means there are also some sins that we do internally. Like unlawful lust, feeling the lust, sin. Feeling of anger, sin. Feeling of takabur, sin. Right? Sayyidina Rasulullah said that you won't even enter Jannah. You can never enter Jannah if you have mithqala dhadda, one atoms of kibar in your heart. Allahu Akbar. Even right there I think we're all finished. Who can say I don't even have one atom? <laughs> Maybe when I put my nice clothing on and look in the mirror, I get a little vanity. Gone. <laughs> I get in my nice car. Gone. 
I think, mashallah, I live in the West, or I drive a car, I'm educated, or I'm doctor, or this, and if I get a little bit of ujub kibar, one atom's weight is not that much. <laughs> in fact, the physicist will tell you an atom is nothing. <laughs> What's an atom? You can't even see it. You need a zebra dust, real microscope to see this thing. Hmm? Allah Ta'ala is going to put us under a microscope on that day of judgment. Allah Akbar, this mizan, this hisab on the day is a big microscope. Hmm? So what's the kibber? The kibber is the feeling inside. It's a, it's button. It's inside of us. Sometimes it's secret. People don't even know it. Not even it's not zahir. It's not apparent to people. People may never know. But inside the person secretly has pride, arrogance, vanity, conceit. Huh? So first meaning of this zahir meant the outward sins that we do apparently, and batin means the inner sins. Second meaning, madhuru zahir al batina. You should leave. All zahir sin and all batin sin. Second meaning means that you should leave the sins, stop doing sin, zahir, and stop thinking about sin and stop wanting sin, batin. Allahu Akbar. Look at the level Allah Ta'ala taking it. Yes. One place Allah Ta'ala said, Ittakullah mastata'tum, as much as you can. But another place Allah Ta'ala said, Ittakullah haqqa tukati, that you must have taqwa, fear Allah Ta'ala and stay away from sin, as much as Allah Ta'ala is right over you. Big difference. <laughs> so what does this mean? Stop doing sin and also stop thinking sin and stop wanting sin. Now I'll give you a very simple example you will understand. If I were to tell you right now, in masjid, in state of wudu, that I have never murdered someone, Alhamdulillah, it's true. <laughs> right? Okay. So you'd say, fine. But let's say I was to tell you, and this is not true, what I'm about to say. Hypothetically, I was to say, but I'm always thinking about murder. Would you say, it's okay, it's no problem, as long as you'd say, whoa, this is a problem. <laughs> you would say, this is a problem, right? If I say, no, no, but I've never done it. You say, but you think about it. That's psychotic. <laughs> you need help. It's a problem. And then if I say, I think about it, and I also desire to do it, you would say, oh, you'd, you'd, st- you'd start running. <laughs> right? It's a problem. I mean, it's not just enough to not do sin. You also have to not think it and want it. Now, just replace the word murder with lust. And now you see what the problem is. <laughs> yes, deen is kamal. Ulkhudu is deep, deep deen. Not only must you not do it, you must clean your mind and not think it. You must clean your heart and not want it. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Look at the level Allah Ta'ala is calling us to. So means in Ramadan we have a lot of deep cleaning to do. Hmm? Deep cleaning. And Allah Ta'ala knows best, and that's Allah Ta'ala As-Sattar. He's concealed it, He's hidden it. <laughs> if anybody was to know the things that we think, and the things that we want, I think no husband could show his face to his wife, no mother could show her face to her children. Hmm? Really? Allahu Akbar. But that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala knows. يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السُّدُورِ Another place, مَا تُخْفِ السُّدُورِ Even what you try to keep hidden in your breast. Allah Ta'ala knows. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala is seeing inside. 
Do you want that when Allah Ta'ala sees inside, He sees nothing but lust and anger and pride and envy? Hmm? It's not a beautiful picture to show Allah Ta'ala. This may be beautiful to show, but Allah Ta'ala looking inside, hmm? looking inside, Stop doing sin and stop wanting and thinking about sin. That's lalakum tattakum. That's taqwa. It's a long journey we have. Long journey. Lot of effort we have to make on this heart in this month of Ramadan. If you make that niyyah that this month, this year, I want to do cleaning. I don't know if they have this in Norway. In America, we have this term spring cleaning. And that's this time, one day in spring, all the women, it can be men also, single men, whoever, get together and they clean. <laughs> they go through the whole house, they clean every corner of the house. And whatever dirt and even junk, not just dirt, but also junk they find, they throw it. Throw it out. Get it out. So it means in Ramadan, we need to do some spring cleaning of this heart. Hmm? And to go deep inside. And believe me, when you start looking, you will see Allah Akbar. We have a lot of dirt and a lot of junk. <laughs> That's why we're not feeling Quran. <laughs> there's something, there's something veiling us from feeling Quran, from feeling Salah. It's all this dirt and this junk. <laughs> we have to spend Ramadan cleaning. Cleaning. You should never worry that it's not going away. Sometimes a young man or woman, they make istighfar toba once and then they go back to the sin. They don't understand. No, but I, I made toba. Why did I do the sin again? Because if you see it, there's a clothing and it has a really old, deep stain and you've been staining it for years. It's not going to come out entirely the first time you wash it. You have to wash it more than once. You have to keep washing, keep washing, keep scrubbing. If it doesn't go out, no problem. More detergent, more water, more scrubbing. That's how it is with our sin. She's never despair. What the ayah that was recited in the beginning, La taqnatu mi rahmatillahi, never ever despair of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean not to despair? It means this, keep scrubbing. <laughs> keep making istighfar, keep, keep fighting the good fight. It may be a long fight for some of us with our nafs. It may be a long fight against our lust. It may be a long fight against our anger. Keep fighting. It's a long fight, no problem. This is what we are, we're mu'min, this is what we're made for. We are made, made for this. This is what we do, we're supposed to do, to stop our nafs from its unlawful desires. So Ramadan is the month of Qur'an and Ramadan is also the month of Tawbah. Of scrubbing, begging Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, cleaning. And Allah Ta'ala has put some special features in this month. To increase the acceptance of Tawbah. First, many of you would have heard these things. Sayyidina Rasulullah had taught us many scattered hadith. These features. Number one, shaitan is in chain, bound. Shaitan and all the shayateen are bound up. They can't do anything. That's a big boost for us. It helps us get this taqwa. It's a big help from Allah Ta'ala for us. There's no waswasa of shaitan. And shayateen means any one of his assistants from the jinn or even some of his unknowing and unwilling and unwitting assistants from humanity. Min al-jinni nas even from humanity. Mean the agents of shaitan. They cannot affect the mu'min. Fasting believer. Fasting believer. It's a big boost for our taqwa. Big help. 
Second, Sayyidina said that the gates of Jahannam are closed. Gates of Jahannam are closed. What does that mean? First, it means literally. Literally, Jahannam has abuab, gates, doors, portals, and they will literally be closed. Literally. Second, it means that the paths that lead towards those gates in our life, Allah subhanahu will close our progress. What does it mean? So the ulama mentioned that Allah Ta'ala gives a person hidayah. And if a person doesn't listen, then Allah Ta'ala may keep giving him hidayah. And then there comes a time when Allah Ta'ala pulls back his hidayah and lets the person go on that path towards sin. And you will find this in yourself, that it happens, you will all of a sudden find that sin easy to do now. You no longer feel sad. Before when you did that sin, you felt guilty. Now you're guiltless. You don't feel guilty anymore. It's because Allah Ta'ala then pulled back that hidayah from you. The hidayah of remorse. The hidayah of guilt. And that was leading us to Jahannam. Because the sin that you don't feel guilty over, obviously you will make tawbah over. And if you don't clean it with tawbah in this world, it will have to be cleaned by the fire of Jahannam in the next world. So here Allah Ta'ala gives that hidayah back to us. And you will find in Ramadan people feel much more guilty. If, first of all, we should not sin any time of the year, including Ramadan. But you will find normally if a person does a sin in Ramadan, before Ramadan, they used to do that sin without feeling guilty. But in Ramadan, they shouldn't have done it, but they did it, but they feel the guilt again. And it's a long time since they ever felt guilty over doing this sin. This is the blessing Allah Ta'ala has given. So that also helps us in taqwa. Because it's harder to sin when you're guilty. When you feel guilty. It's easier to sin when you don't feel guilty about it. So this is another boost Allah Ta'ala gives us. Third thing Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in hadith is that Allah Ta'ala opens up the doors, gates of Jannah. Wide open. So what does that mean? First, literal meaning. Definitely. Allah Ta'ala knows best what those gates and doors are like. But Jannah has a bwab. And those abwaab will be opened. Wide. And it also means that the barakat of Jannah, the anwarat of Jannah, the attraction of Jannah, will be unleashed. You can imagine like fragrance. So you know if somebody has flowers and you smell the fragrance, it, what does it give you? It gives you ragba, talab. It gives you inclination and attraction towards those flowers. So it means that Allah Ta'ala will make us more attracted towards Jannah in this month of Ramadan. So that also helps us to have taqwa because when you're motivated to get Jannah, you will be more better able to stay away from sin and do good deeds a'mala salih. And fourth thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted us in this month of Ramadan. Sayyidina Rasulullah said in hadith that when you do one fard ibadah, you will get the thawab reward of 70 fard. 70. Allahu Akbar. So Allah Ta'ala is magnifying, multiplying the reward that we get. Why? Maybe there's somebody who wasn't praying all year. And he makes tawbah and he starts praying in Ramadan. So for 30 days he prays salah. He changes his life, he made tawbah and now he's changed. So Allah Ta'ala wants to honor that change so much that those 30 days times 70, that's 2,100 days of reward Allah Ta'ala will give him. He still has to make up those ones, that's a separate issue, right? But Allah Ta'ala is magnifying His reward. And if you do one act of ibadah that's not farad, sunnah, mustahab, nafil, mandu, whatever you want to call it, recommended act, Allah Ta'ala will give you the reward of farad. So, mashallah, many times in Ramadan, people do more sunnah, right? 
more sunnah salah, more sunnah this, more mustahab that, salatu tarawih. It's not fard, but you will get the reward of fard when you pray it. Allah Ta'ala is boosting a person up in this month of Ramadan. Then Allah Ta'ala did another thing, incredible thing. In this month is Laylatul Qadr. Khayrun min alfi shahar. Better than 1,000 months. How much better? Only Allah Ta'ala knows. It could be a million times better. It could be a million months. When Allah Ta'ala says the word better, Allah is Allah. So what's better than a thousand? It doesn't mean one thousand one. <laughs> hey, Allah, Allah knows best. Maybe it means a million months. Maybe it means a billion months. Maybe it means a trillion months. It's even better than one thousand months. Of now one thousand months, that's like eighty-two years. Eighty-two, eighty-three years. Allahu Akbar. Why? Allah is helping the person who made Tawbah. Maybe a fifty-six year old person who led his whole lifetime of sin and now he made Tawbah to Allah Ta'ala and he's turning to Allah Ta'ala on Ramadan. Then Allah Ta'ala gave him such a night that it's like 82 years. <laughs> Enabling him to catch up on a whole missed lifetime. <laughs> so we should make sure in Ramadan that we worship Allah Ta'ala, make Tawbah to Allah Ta'ala, make Dua to Allah Ta'ala on this Laylatul Tukadr. When is Laylatul Tukadr? It's guaranteed to be on one of five nights. Sayyidina Rasulullah said it's on one of the last, uh, one of the odd nights on the last 10 days. Any 21, 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 29th, one of these five nights. So very easy. Don't you pray all five nights? Let's say I told you that on one of these five days, I'm going to give you 82 years of salary. You just have to work one day. But I'm not going to tell you which of the five it is. You'd say, no problem, I'll be there all five days. And no problem for me. <laughs> I don't need to know which one of the five it is. If you're going to give me 82 years of salary for one day's worth of work, I'll be there. <laughs> All five. <laughs> From start to finish. So you should be like that about Laylatul Qadr. From Maghrib to Fajr, five nights in your life. Then you can say, I got Laylatul Qadr. You don't have to know which one night it was. Hmm? Some people try to think it's definitely 27th or maybe this year it was this one or last year it was that one. You can say you all talking nonsense. I got little together. They say how? Because I did ibadah on all five. <laughs> Didn't make any difference. That's why Sayyidina when Sayyidina tells us something that it can be any one of the five, it means that's what he was trying to guide us towards also. That do ibadah on the five. Let yourself be guided by his guidance. Do ibadah on all five. Now imagine if you cry over a sin on that night. It's as if you cried for 1,000 months, even more than that. If a person cried for 82 years over a sin, we hope that Allah Ta'ala would forgive them for that sin, right? So try to cry over the sin on that night. Try to beg Allah Ta'ala for taqwa on that night. Why do you think sometimes the young man says, I have no power to control myself? Maybe you're right, apparently. Allah Ta'ala has the power to fix you. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran that He will purify whoever He wants. So beg it on Laylatul Tukadr. It's as if you spent 82 years begging Allah Ta'ala that I want you to fix me. Hmm? So it's an incredible thing. Then another thing Allah Ta'ala said in Quran on Surah Al-Qadr is what amazing thing. One thing was that inna anzalna hufi that the Quran itself was revealed on Layl Tukadr. And it's important if Allah Ta'ala wants us to know that and He told us that in Quran is part of wahi means it's part of hidayah. It's a source of guidance for us. So it means that makes it a special night, the fact that the Qur'an was revealed. 
So make dua on that night, Allah Ta'ala increase me in my tajweed, let me memorize more Qur'an, let me understand more Qur'an, let me feel more Qur'an. This is the night that you sent down Qur'an. If this is the night that you sent down Qur'an to Lohul Mahfuz, historically, Allah Ta'ala send the real feelings of Qur'an in my heart, put feelings in my heart of taqwa, put the tawakkul in my heart, put sabr in my heart, put shukr in my heart, make dua to Allah Ta'ala. You should feel that this is the night that the Qur'an was revealed. Everything in Qur'an is to be felt. So that's a special night, right? Today people, they like, huh? oh, this is the night we met. Hmm? Husband, wife will remind the husband. Our husband doesn't even remember these things. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> right? But for her, it's a big thing. It's that night. That night, years ago. So Allah tells us the same way. This is that night, my believers. That night that so many, Allah knows best when. I sent down Qur'an on this night. Allah is telling it, He's sharing it with us. We didn't even have to know this. It could have been ilm al It didn't have to be knowledge He shared with us. Right? Allah is so sweet, kind, He shared it with us. So we should feel it on that night. Then what else did Allah tell us? That the Nazil of Allah sends the Malaika. Ya Allah, angels. All angels come down to this human world on Laylatul Qadr. And Allah wants us to know that. He's supposed to feel it. That means everything is to feel in Qur'an. So yes, you should feel. Why do they come down? Ulama of Tasir explained. They come down to say Ameen to our du'as. Yes. Like Sayyidina Sallallahu between Hajj and Rukhi Imani, 70,000 angels say Ameen. On Laylatul Tukadar, all angels come down to say Ameen. Now if in this world there were some big alim, sheikh, right? You ask him to make du'a for you. Or he says, Amin to your dua, you say, okay, maybe there's a little boost, I got a chance. Oh my friends, the angels will say, Amin to your du'as and they'll together. Every single one of them. Hmm? So if you say, no, even before I made du'a, Allah Ta'ala take this lust out and nothing happened. Okay, this night you make du'a, all the angels will say, Amin to your du'a. Try that. <laughs> we haven't tried these things, we haven't tapped into the feelings of Quran and Ramadan. Then, we're ruh. The angel Jibreel, it means the angel Jibreel alayhisam, he is al-ruh. Angel Jibreel alayhisam also comes down. He will also say, Ameen on your door. Ya Allah. This is the incredible gift Allah Ta'ala gave this ummah. The ulama have written that before this ummah, the only time angel Jibreel ever came to the human world was only to give wahi to a nabi. He had nothing to do with any non-nabi, ever. This was his job. He is the deliverer of a revelation to Anbiya. But when the Ummat Mustafa came in and Allah sent Quran, revealed Quran, Allah Ta'ala gave him another job. Okay, now you have another job. Every night, every year in Laylatul Qadr, you will go down and say, Ameen to the du'as of my fasting believers. Allahu Akbar Kamila. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, Subhanallah al-Adeem. Look what Allah Ta'ala is teaching us in Quran about this month of Ramadan. Who are we? Who are we? An ordinary believer. And angels and angel Jibreel hmm, is coming down to earth. Because this is a blessed night. Special night. So Allah Ta'ala has put a lot of features in this month for us. Allah Ta'ala has filled up this month with features. Hmm? Why? Because Allah Ta'ala wants. He's hopeful. He's trying to create a situation. 
Not that we be hungry and thirsty from Fajr to Maghrib. That's not what fasting is about. Allah Ta'ala is trying to create the situation لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ You get taqwa. Why? إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ Because the most beloved of you, most honored of you in Allah Ta'ala's eyes are the ones who have the most taqwa and Allah Ta'ala's regard are the ones who have the most taqwa. And finally we will end tonight by telling you that actually Ramadan is the month of wilaya. Wilaya. What does wali mean? You can become the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Allah ta'ala said in Quran, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ hmm? That this month you get taqwa. And Allah ta'ala said another verse of Quran, إِنْ أُولِيَاءُهُ إِلَّا الْمُتَّكُونَ Then who are the awliya of Allah ta'ala except for the people of taqwa? <laughs> that means you get taqwa in Ramadan, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ You get wilayat with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means you become Allah Ta'ala's lover, beloved, his friend. Word Allah Ta'ala using Ulaikal Mukarrabun. They are the ones who Allah Ta'ala draws near and close to his pleasure. How close? Ya ayyutahan nafsul mutmainna. Then they change their life. They have so much taqwa. They become nafsul mutmainna. And Allah Ta'ala draws them so close, so close, then he just calls them. Irji. Just return back. Irji ila rabbiki radiyatam marziyya. That just, oh you nafs mutminna, you're so close to me now, you're so much taqwa now, so beloved to me now. Allah Ta'ala says, irji'i, just come back to me now. Can you imagine, this is also a way to leave this world. That a person exits and leaves this world in response to the nida, the call of Allah Ta'ala. Irji'i ila rabbiki. That return to your Rabb, Radiyatan, that you are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Marziya, and Allah ta'ala is pleased with you. So you just come back and exit this life. Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. This is why Allah ta'ala sent Quran. This is why Allah ta'ala is giving us this gift of fasting in the month of Ramadan. May Allah ta'ala enable each and every one of us to maximize this month of Ramadan as he has taught us in Qur'an, make it a month of Qur'an, month of Tawbah, month of Taqwa, month of Wilaya, month of Deen, month of change, month of sharpening, month of when we leave all the outward sin and inward sin, stop doing sin, stop thinking sin, stop wanting sin, we should just present ourselves to Allah Ta'ala, that Ya Rabbi Kareem, I'm nothing, and you are everything, you are bringing this incredible ocean wave of mercy this month of Ramadan, I'm just going to put myself in this process, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to beg, I'm going to cry, Allah Ta'ala, you grant me that taqwa that you are hopeful for. Allahumma ja'anna min al-muttaqeen wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.